0: Welcome to the Rerooted Podcast with Francesca Maxime, trauma-sensitive mindfulness meditation teacher and poet. Together, we'll take a closer look at approaches to transforming trauma with insights from psychology, neuroscience, spirituality, social justice, and the creative arts. Join Francesca and her guests for an exploration of our shared connection and how we can cultivate greater compassion for ourselves and for others. If you'd like to support Francesca and the rerooted podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward
1: slash Francesca.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Francesca Maxime, and welcome to this edition of the Rerooted podcast here on Ram Dass' Be Here Now Network. It is August 19th, 2021. It is a Thursday afternoon and evening, depending on where you're hailing from. And of course, morning and overnight, depending on if you're across the world. I'm here on Unkachog land in Long Island, New York and um, my pronouns are she, we, and us, and uh, I'm just really here to kind of continue this conversation that we've had about neuroscience, trauma resolution, heartfulness, uh, coming from a place of, of caring and compassion that so many of the teachers here on Ron Dass' Be Here Now Network talk about, including my mentor Jack Hornfield and Sharon Salzberg and um, a lot of other folks that we we really have learned so much from. And today, uh, I want to introduce you to um, a couple of folks that I met on a Society for the Exploration of Psychotherapy Integration, which is a mouthful conference. Now we're going to just call it CEPI um, A few months ago, and uh, the Sheldons, Beatrice and Terry, uh, are two really remarkable therapists talking about really about caring and how the limbic system and and Uh, circuitry that we have in our brains influences how we show up, what we're able to take in, what we have a capacity for, and how we can begin to kind of shift into ways that uh, increase our our capacity for for joy and well-being and contentment. Uh, Terry Sheldon, MD, is a clinical professor of psychiatry at the University of Washington, Seattle, and has specialized in the research practice and training of psychotherapy for 35 years. Uh, Beatrice Sheldon is um, also a psychotherapist, and she's practiced for 40 years in four languages. And uh, Ms. Sheldon received specialized postgraduate training in short-term dynamic psychotherapy at McGill University in Montreal. Welcome to you both, uh, and thank you for joining us here today on Rerooted. Thank you very much. Nice to, nice to be here. It's
0: a pleasure to be here.
2: It's really a pleasure. Um and I love that you're multi multilingual and 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 all these things. I'm a little bit of everything myself. So it's Sometimes
0: uh... it's difficult. I get stuck in the middle of limbo of four languages.
2: <laughs> you have it in French, but not in Italian or something. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but that's good because sometimes the English word, you know, doesn't doesn't always suit what we're trying to kind of find in terms of the texture. So we allow our brains to kind of speak to us, I suppose. In any case, I am really interested in um, all of what you have to offer. Your your website, by the way, I'm just going to name up front con Complex Integration uh, of Multiple Brain Systems is uh, the name of your forthcoming book, but also the um, website that you have, Complex Integration, m like Mary, be like boy, s like sam.com, so people can find you later on. Um, Talk to me, Terry, if you wouldn't mind starting us off with, what is the concept of emotional brain systems? What does that even mean? What are we talking about?
1: Well, first, to understand the idea of what, what brain systems are, we don't normally think in those terms, but just to recognize that our visual, is a, our visual system or is a brain system that operates with our eyes and the cortex back here, or our auditory system is another brain system. But it's really helpful to understand that we have a lot of different emotional systems. So to get to know what are these emotional systems, so that we can have more clarity about our own experiences inside of ourselves. And as a therapist, to get to know the the deeper levels of functioning and capacity and resources that we're all born with. Mm -hmm. And so to, to tap into and harness the energy of, especially the emotional systems that are based in the brainstem, they're not conscious, but they're present in all mammals and they're so powerful Mm -hmm. as people or as therapists focus our energy to activate those systems, facilitate them, differentiate them, uh, train them. Then that energy, those circuits become more powerful, resilient. Um, And you can see someone change in front of your eyes when you do this in a focused way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is wonderful when we teach to to see it. I, I know you looked at a demo that Beatrice did, and you could watch this person change in front of your eyes, and it's so remarkable yeah. because it's you're working at this level, so you're not limited to the cortex. I'm
2: pointing to the, I'm just letting our viewers know. I mean, our listeners know you're pointing to the uh, lower brainstem as you're as you're yeah. talking that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, You know, the amygdala, you know, we talk about fight, flight and freeze a lot in terms of the amygdala and the safety and survival, you know, sort of mechanisms and our evolutionary negativity bias, but we also have this innate capacity for connection. And I was talking to Bruce Perry the other day and he was talking about how our first inclination is to flock. It's actually not to flee or to fight, you know, that we actually are wired for connection said another way. Um, Exactly. And so Beatrice, maybe talk a little bit about, um, these play care safe systems that Terry's gonna talk more about, how it shows up when you're actually working with a client. Um, And there's the word you used in the demonstration that I watched so much, uh, inviting in a sense of caring.
0: Okay. Um, We we activate all these brain systems and the, the brain system of care, which is the first brain system Care, connection, and safeness are the first three brain systems that we are activating constantly. And we active, activate them with the therapeutic attachment relationship that we are always sitting right in front of our chairs, and there is this connection. Mm-hmm. Shiny eyes beaming out to the patient with a smile. And and it's always the connection of you are the most important person for me right now. Mm. Anything else, it's not important. You are the most valuable person right now here in the connection with us. And sometimes I even say you make my eyes shine. Mm. Your presence right now, it's making my eyes shine.
3: Mm.
0: So I'm I'm activating this attachment connection and the caring. I'm sending a lot of oxytocin into the system in this intense caring connection. Mm-hmm. And then we will hear, we will know like, oh, that's making me really anxious. So the, 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 the safe, the unsafe brain system, the fear brain system is being activated in relationship with the caring. And now we understand that there is a, a connection in between these two systems. Wow. The other one is I'm always activating the play. I love play. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So so immediately as soon as there is a little smile or they say something that feels good we uh tell me about the smile. Oh, I didn't even know that there was a smile. So we are and 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 as soon as there is a little bit of activation of smile or play I keep on working with that activation. Of play because that will reduce the fear and that will reduce the shame feelings and the um, the the, oh, the terror mm-hmm. immediately because you cannot play when you are in terror right right
3: right so,
0: so the, those are the the first the first first ones are the uh, care connection and and safeness and then I bringing the play with it.
2: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. The playful curiosity.
0: Yeah. David has something to say. He's keep on saying. <gasps>
2: <We're laughs> do you? Because do, do I was going to ask you, you know, what the, the follow up question that I had to some of that is, um, you know, what interrupts that? you know, we're wired for that connection. You know, we're wired for that sense. Um, we talk about the beam gleam. We talk about feeling safe, seen, and soothe. We talk about the still face experiments and, you know, the way in which the mother or edtronics research, you know, um, sort of talking about the way in which, uh, you know, the mirror neurons work when the baby and the mom, you know, are in sync with one another and they're co-regulating and things like that. But when right. that's not there and there's trauma and there's neglect, there's not enough of, um what the baby is needing. Um, What happens
1: there? Well, when, you know, these primary systems that are active right at birth, especially the safe and care, they're really active right at birth. And if something traumatizes or causes neglect and prevents those systems from uh, sort of doing their job um, because of it's dangerous or there's, uh, there's no one to receive or to provide the care. Um, and so there's a constant, you know, frustration, disappointment. Maybe so
2: gets distressed. Yeah. So that the Where baby, are you? You're supposed yeah. to be noticing me.
1: Yeah. So, that, so there's a, like a panic. Um, mm-hmm. like I'm like, I'm trying to connect with you. And even if the, the being is there, they're not connecting. Mm-hmm. So the child keeps trying. And at some point they start feeling abandoned. Um, And then comes the fear, then comes the panic, then comes the grief, Um, it comes secondarily. And if those systems and those emotions get activated sufficiently, they get sort of entrenched um, as a way of protecting this child from further trauma. Um, But those, those reactions were adaptive when they were really small, but often they get stuck there and that's where, you know, we can come in and be helpful to help disentangle from those that emotional learning that emotional trauma knowing that underneath that there are good things 100%
2: yeah where that's why they say in mindfulness we we, we it's sati the the pali word the we're, it's remembering remembering putting back together what it's like a humpty dumpty situation you're not creating something new but you're just you know you're you're sort of or Kitsugi, you know, when you're talking about the bowls that have the cracks and they're filled with gold um, glue or paint or whatever it is, um, you know, that 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 really <clears throat> what I think is, and, you know, Gabor Mate talked a lot about the wisdom of trauma in the movie and this big thing that he's had out recently, which I'm sure people um, listening to this podcast may have heard about. And if not, maybe check it out along with your book and offerings. Um, but that there's, there's something interesting about what we're doing is we're trying to find our way back home. We're trying to find our way back to the part where we got uh, stuck on some detour, where, uh, where we were, what we were expecting uh, to be available and what we deserved to have be available to us. What we legitimately needed was just not available. But interestingly enough, because of our ingenuity, um, you know, our conditioning takes that adaptation of survival for like, Okay, well, this must be about me. I'm going to take control of the situation. If I can fix me because there's something wrong with me, otherwise they would be available, um, then everything will be okay and we'll be back in right relationship. So what you're talking about is exploring what interrupts that and then allowing there to be the unfolding of what's authentically already there to start to shine again, which I think is so beautiful. And in um, the best therapy, that's what happens. You know, sometimes it doesn't happen, even though we try. Um, sure. So, how is this different from other kinds of therapy? I mean, it, it's it's not cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not psychoanalysis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's all of them
1: together. <laughs> there, there's several things that are different. Um, first, just like the, the idea that recognizing there's all these different systems. Um, and especially below the level of the amygdala, the hippocampus, the visualal, there's all these systems underneath can really make a difference. So that wisdom, knowing to go there, even though they're not conscious, that those systems are there and work with that. And when our patients become, you know, distressed, traumatized or afraid or panicked, Rather than focusing on those symptoms or trying to understand them or, you know, focus on the trauma, we have an expression which is go the other way. Mm -hmm. Go underneath that. So if they're stuck in grief, go underneath the grief and activate their ability to care for themselves or to take in our care because that is more powerful. That can inhibit the grief. Um, To go to the love you know the the, the um, someone said this recently it reminded me of this wonderful expression grief is the price we pay for love right right so go to the love in the moment with with your patient the therapeutic attachment relationship you just mentioned a few moments ago we approach that differently than other people do we really want to have that relationship in the present not It's not about transference, about the past relationships or whatever. It's what's actually happening in the moment. It really, you know, as Beatrice demonstrated a moment ago with you, you know, that beaming, loving, eye contact, you know, in the moment, having an attachment relationship to activate the attachment systems
3: Mm -hmm.
1: in the person we're working with and trusting that, yeah, the safe care and connection are going to get activated. Yeah, it's funny.
2: I had a... um client earlier today where it was our first time working together, but he was referred to me through someone I had worked with for a while and was pretty familiar apparently with my work with um, this other client. And I guess felt pretty confident or comfortable about trusting that we could kind of do something together. And that was part of what, you know, was sort of in that initial session of the connection. Um, you know, that that whole idea of what is it like to keep, you know, your eyes open and connected even through the screen. And that was their observation reporting to me how that, you know, being seen, feeling safe, seen, and feeling felt, you know, feeling felt um, was, was both terrifying and unfamiliar, but also I'm like, well, how is it right now? Just in this moment, right? Is this okay enough to just have a little bit of this and, you know, and he could hold it, you know, for eight or 10 seconds and then kind Uh of, you know, and I said, that's totally fine. We're not trying to make anything happen. We're just seeing what it feels like when we can allow a little bit of this in.
3: Fantastic.
2: So, you know, Beatrice, when you work with people in that way, in your particular way, we each have our own unique style, but it's similar. um, What do you notice happens when someone realizes that they can actually take in, well, that they have it within them, but that they can also take it in from you that you're really just reflecting back to them what's already in them
0: you asking what happens or how do i know it's happening well how do you know it's happening um there is there is physiological changes in the face they is they they become more aroused the color changes the eyes change the, and the mouth there is a little bit of a smile but also there is a physiological change into standing up inside of themselves mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 when i see that they that there is this change inside i immediately ask what's happening right now what are the sensations that are happening right now and sometimes Hopefully. If not, we will have to do physiotherapy for the brain to work with it. But sometimes they come saying, well, there is warmth on the chest. Mm -hmm. And I pick that up because the brain is going to prune that soon right? The, the sensations go up and then they go down and they disappear. So I pick that up and I work with it as staying, let's stay with this sensation of warmth from the chest. And that is you allowing to receive my caring. And that is you allowing you to receive your own caring inside of you.
3: Mm-hmm. So then
0: we become this inside generator of keep yourself paying attention to this warmth on the chest. So then you can keep it buoyant one click more, one click more. So then, so then it, it becomes resilient um, mm-hmm. after we worked with it. And then they're able to hold it a little bit longer.
2: Yeah. And I love that. Thank you. And, and, and Terry, I'm going to go to you based on what um, Beatrice just said, because, you know, the way Bruce Perry talked about it is like, you have the old, you know, sort of, I, I'm from Massachusetts originally. If the old Mass Pike here had they not just done the big dig and, you know, sort of spent a lot of money um, they might've actually added a better four lane superhighway over here um, <laughs> that actually functioned better alongside it. And so the inclination to want to go use the old, road is not there. We're not, it didn't, it's not, it may be there, but it kind of fades away and becomes less interesting over time because we have an autobahn over here that's a lot more functional. So can you talk about kind of picking up what Beatrice is saying? It's that, you know, slow, repetitive, moderate, you know, stressors toward moving toward a little bit of the unfamiliar but the safe the caring it's newer it feels more expansive, warmer but it's also sometimes the part where people get stuck and they kind of are like oh it's too much i'm terrified <laughs> you know this you know tell, tell us what's happening a little bit from the inside out as people are sort of growing this new super highway um, from the brain part inside out and and what makes them sometimes kind of like push back and feel like "Eh, i don't know maybe i should use the old road
1: that's a very interesting question um and you know sometimes initially it can feel kind of counterintuitive that this person is feeling care for themselves or receiving care from me or from beatrice or for you um why would that feel so frightening why would that trigger nausea Um, clearly it's it's irrational but it's a visceral feeling so it's a matter of sort of titrating and trusting that what you're doing, you know, tapping into the care system, especially when you get the peripheral nervous system engaged too, because there's a certain wisdom, like in the warmth of the heart, feeling the care, knowing that you're on target there. And yes, even if they feel the care, that may feels unsafe from previous life experiences where, you know, they didn't get that. And so it now feels unsafe or they feel unworthy Mm. of that and often they're not even aware of it until it comes up in this level of intensity and focus Uh, because normally they would avoid it altogether without even being aware of it but now with this careful focus activating these potencies these emotional systems inside on a deep level running into you know emotional learning from childhood often that is not okay it's I'm unworthy whatever coping mechanisms they developed mm-hmm. to try to make sense of the, the feelings they were having when they were small and to work with that, to disentangle them so they can feel the care and feel the fear and say, Oh yeah, the care is in the present mm-hmm. transpiring. The fear is from the past. Yeah. And, and to really get that again and again and again, because it, it, it isn't enough to understand it. It needs to be done, you know, repetitively, like going to your physical therapist. You need to keep doing the exercises.
2: Right i i um, I'm I'm looking for something that I had written down the other day about the present and the past, and I I can't find it. But um, but yeah, I think that's really it. Is um, trauma isn't is the great interrupter. Oh, I said I said trauma is the puppeteer of the present.
3: Oh, you interesting. Know? Yeah, that's it, a good thing I think about it. You know, it. like. Hey,
0: there you- very interesting. Yes. Let's write it down. It looks, it sounds good. Yeah. Thank you.
2: But, you know, it's just that idea of it's the puppeteer, it's that Wizard of Oz behind the curtain that really doesn't, you know, we don't need to have it, um, to have it be directing our lives anymore. And from a mindfulness perspective, we talk about conditioning. Um, A woman by the name of Sherry Huber, who's a Zen Buddhist teacher, who's written a lovely book called There Is Nothing Wrong With You, A Guide to Getting Over Self-Hate, talks about egocentric karmic conditioning. And without being a neuroscientist, essentially is talking about all the ways in which our limbic systems and our neural imprintings um, are conditioned over time and how mindfulness practices, whether they're ancient wisdom Buddhist teachings or other kinds of teachings like the ones that are more like uh, mantras and, and things like that, um, help change that narrative. Right. So it can be real and true that you have had this experience and we can honor and be grateful to our adaptations that were learned to help us get through those moments. But then we can also be, as you just beautifully said, in the present to receive the care that's available now. Right and not have to push it
3: away.
0: And, and that will do a neurosculpting that uh, Rick Hanson used to call it. Mm-hmm. We, we are doing this rewiring of these circuits mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and making them stronger and felt safe and uh, resilient. Mm -hmm. so so then so then then the new instead of the six-lane highway that you go all the time this newness this new exit becomes the way of being
2: yeah and I think what's so important about this is people actually have to experience this to believe it because when you experience it you're like oh this is like magic I didn't know this was possible and Mm -hmm. um you know other people you know they're sort of hunkered down and You know, it's like "Papa, I am how I am or however that was, you know, it's like I I, like I am this particular way. Like I'm not I'm not really malleable or changing, but we talk about the the malleability of the brain now. But we also know how to your point, Beatrice, um, the neural synaptic prunings that take happen, especially in the first two months of life outside the womb and how the first couple of years are just sort of that, you know, I don't even know, Terry, you probably know it's like billions of neuro, you know, things like happening like a ridiculous amount versus like hundreds or thousands or something on a daily basis um, when -hmm. we're super young versus when we're older, which doesn't mean that they're not malleable. It just means that there's so much that's weighted on the front end in terms of how sensitive we are to our conditioning or to our, our, so there's a reason why we kind of have these adaptations.
1: Yeah, they were adaptations. I think that's right. important. You you put that word that they they were adaptive when we were one or two or three, and they, we create our nervous system created a kind of equilibrium that will sustain because that helped us survive as a little person. But as we've grown up, you know that equilibrium continues, and our nervous system has made all these adjustments to maintain this equilibrium that no longer is adaptive. It mm-hmm. slows us down. It creates all kinds of other problems, but to, t- to take people out of that previous equilibrium, it takes some effort, um, both on the part of the therapist and the, the person. And mindfulness certainly is does help interrupt the, those negative thought patterns, um, but it takes you know repetition and more repetition to to build these new circuits mm-hmm. that are adaptive to you know get off the old freeway as you put it earlier and to build you know new pathways mm-hmm. uh, it, it's un, it's uncomfortable and and what, and what she was talking <laughs> yeah. about before about that that moment of self warmth or self love is a state process mm-hmm. that doesn't last and so um, we were Talking about this earlier today, that to chance to change that state phenomenon into a trait. So that is that's who I am. It's not just a feeling that I feel care for myself right now. It's that's who I am, that I am a caring, loving person towards myself no matter what. And that's the kind of resilience Mm -hmm. we want to help any of us develop in all of these different systems. So it's not just the care system that's resilient, it's the play system that's resilient or the safe system that's resilient. Mm-hmm. So when we're in a crisis, all these systems keep operating. And even though you know, we're being triggered with some trauma memory or some shame reaction, the other systems are still operating. Mm-hmm. They don't get short-circuited by the reactions that would have happened in the past. That's really important. It's a different way of working by building, focusing on these resources and having them become traits not just brief moments of good feelings.
2: So it, how does that show up, Beatrice? I first saying it's a trait and I'm like reminding myself as someone who's just gotten triggered in some board meeting or at work or, you know, something and the way in which my boss talked to me is making me feel like I'm in a shame spiral all of a sudden. And I'm starting to go back into dorsal vagal collapse where I'm sort of shrinking away. And I've been working with someone like you and I've been able to kind of experience what it's like to be caring and to be cared for and to know that I have this capacity, not because I know it in my head, but because I've actually experienced it in my body. And I've actually felt what it's like to have that warmth and spaciousness that you've talked about. How does that end up translating when I show up? Is that me sort of being able to pause enough and say hey i 'm enough, and I matter. Let me open up to actually asking a question or being curious about whether or not my boss really meant it in the way that I think I heard it or whether or not this is a narrative that i 'm making up or something about myself. So I say to them, you know, would you mind you know reflecting more of that or whatever it is but yeah. how does that how does that show up in real life? How does this help people in real life um,
0: are you are you asking how does that shows up? How do we work with right here at this moment with sims yeah and this this type of difficulty
2: yeah yeah like okay. if somebody if somebody has been working with you but they get triggered in real life right. outside of session
0: outside of session well um that's outside of session mm-hmm <laughs> what we're working here is we're working at this precise present moment of the relationship of you with you and if you got triggered with your shame got triggered that means that there is that hyper connection with shame right so that in the precise moment what we start act, what i start activating it's the sensation of you are valuable right now at this precise moment to us. So I, be, I begin to activate the valuable brain system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and and they usually will say, if they have got gotten triggered before, they usually will say, no, I, I'm not valuable, I'm, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't matter how many times I say, no, you are valuable, will be yeah. not important. Mm-hmm. But at this precise moment, I am paying attention to you with all my might, all my intelligence, all of me. And what we pay attention to, we value. So at this precise moment, I am valuing you. It is happening that you are being valuable to us. Mm. Now, you also, you patient, you are paying attention to you right now and you're not thinking about something else, you're paying attention to you and your sensations, you are valuing you right now at this precise moment. Mm. So we're just staying here in activating the valuable brain system that is happening at this moment. And I bring in all the brain systems to corroborate this brain system of we're caring for you as you are feeling, as you are being valuable here with us. Mm-hmm. And I bring dopamine also into the system of to, to cement this experience of valuable. And I ask, how are you experiencing this valuable? Uh, I, don't, I don't feel anything or it's not there. Uh, and it is happening. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not there, it is happening that we're valuing you. Mm-hmm. So by keep on repeating this and bringing in the dopamine.
2: Yeah. Then things start to change. Well, the reason why I'm saying that is because in the example I brought up earlier, I think after you've been working with someone for a while, and they're beginning to kind of get the hang of it, like, it's okay for me to be valued and to value myself and to notice that I have a capacity to value myself. That's a big piece that you may show up at work. And if somebody is insulting to you, you may have an opportunity, because you've been practicing in real time, not telling yourself this from a cognitive place, but experiencing it in this relational way, that you may be more inclined to from a very embodied bottom up perspective be able to kind of say you know Gijo w- you know when you just said that to me I noticed that you know I really kind of felt hurt by that comment is that really yes. you know what you meant or could you clarify that so that that's I guess what I was trying to get at, but I wasn't very right. you know, yeah. precise about what I was saying, because it comes from a place of the inside out of you where you actually shift. I think Diana Fosher from Advanced Experiential Dynamic Psychotherapy calls it a little bit of transformance, that energy of just being able to be mm-hmm. um, your own advocate, your own friend in a way that is not bullish, but it's like my mentor, Jack Hornfield talks about noble and dignified, relaxed and alert. You're grounded, you're available, but you're also compassionate to self. You're not in a shame state where, ooh, they're the boss and I need to stay small or I can't ever say anything, Um, that you internalize that value.
1: So I'd like to add something that I think is helpful is that um, in the example that Beatrice was talking about valuing this person, um, you get a felt sense inside of yourself. And at the end of the session, we'll, we'll recommend that, okay, you need to rehearse this. You need to practice this. This is something you want to keep exercising, that felt sense, mm-hmm. so that the, that felt sense becomes stronger and stronger. So when the boss makes some you know, sarcastic or critical comment, mm-hmm. you can access that sense, okay, I feel valuable. And you, on the one hand, you're less likely to get triggered.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: even if you are, you can say, oh, yeah, I'm triggered. And I have access to this too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I can be compassionate and say, yeah, I got triggered. I know, I know where that comes from Yeah. But because of the training that I've done with myself between sessions. Just like when you're working yeah. with your physiotherapist, you keep yeah. practicing so that, you know, you've got those exercises, you've got it down and it's just there. Yeah. And, and that's an important part of therapy is the, it doesn't stop when they walk out the door, the session comes to an end, they're going to continue to work to strengthen those adaptive circuits so they become yeah. six lane highways.
2: I, I I like that because a lot of times, you know, I <clears throat> my the way I do it with people, Tar Brock does it where she just says, you know, put your hand on your on your cheek or on your heart and just say it's okay, sweetheart. Like that's her way. And, you know, Kristen Neff talks a lot about self-compassion practices and the way that she does. And there's all these different ways. I, you know, I think the one I picked up was the, from the internal family systems model. I think that's where it was, where um, I, I invite my clients to just, you know, check in with their wounded inner child or whatever part gets triggered. And like just in the morning when you're brushing your teeth or at night when you're putting on your pajamas, just say, hey, how are you doing today? You know, I'm still here with you. How are you doing? You're here with me. We're here together. Um whatever our day was, you know, we're still hanging out and um and to make that a practice and do it and tie it with from right. mindfulness principle, a practice that you right. already do every day so that you automatically kind of weave it into your your daily practice. Or something right. I'll, I'll tell people her. if you don't brush your teeth, do it when you go to the bathroom in the morning or do it when you take a shower at night or, you know, whatever it is you're automatically doing to just even invite in the connection. If value feels too far away or if care feels too far away, just do a check-in, say hello, you know? I'm yeah. still here, you're still here, exactly. we're still here, you know?
0: What, um, what, what, one important thing to, to say, it's uh, the way we work, it's a little bit different from other kind of therapists because we don't bring in uh, the stories of the outside Uh They can tell you the story of they got triggered, etc. But what I'm realizing is that this person got triggered because the valuable system, the value system, it's entangled with shame. Mm -hmm. So then I am going to be working in the precise moment in the connection with activating this brain system and differentiating it from shame. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Not about what happened then with the bus, but about activating this brain system that it's that it's already there uh hardwire, and we are uh, to start activating it in, in the connection with us right now and in the sensory brain system right now mm-hmm. so we don't work too much with stories yeah
2: no me we neither work
0: with the story of the now in the sensations and in the brain systems that's the story of the now
2: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and and I guess
2: the, the um, you know, it, it's like a somatic, you know, experiencing, you know, sort of way of just, you know, and what are you noticing now? And what's happening now? And where are we now? And how is this now? And what's feeling now or a focusing session or something? You know, what, what's, what's coming forward? You know, it's these, you know, these kinds of more like, in the direct moment-to-moment experience, right. what is it that's right. actually happening? Because those are the things that are like click, click, clicking, they're shifting,
3: you exactly. know?
2: And then um, <clears throat> you can probably talk, um, well, you probably both can, but uh, Terry, too, this this piece of, we've talked a lot about repetition, but we also, in memory reconsolidation, talk about like a five-hour window of when you have neurosynaptic sort of openings and when a new learning can kind of... Um, sort of be, I don't want to say laid in there. I don't want to pe- people think we're putting in any false memories or something, because that's absolutely not what's happening. Um, can you talk a little bit about the brain systems where this is like, what's kind of happening when somebody's kind of like getting it with, with like feeling the felt sense shift from the inside
1: out? I think there's several things. You know, I think there, you know, the emotional memory reconsolidation is one form of neuroplasticity that that is quite compelling. But there's, just the arousal, the, um, the sense of in, um, self-efficacy, there's other neuro, uh, sorry, neuroplasticity uh, factors that you can work with simultaneously. And so you're right, when they have a new experience of themselves with different, uh, different relationships with themselves, with, with me or with Beatrice or you, and, and recognize, okay, this is an adaptive experience, it is in contrast to what I learned or what was possible. And so it, it does run the risk of being deleted because it, it's not familiar. It wasn't allowed. And uh, it, often that's not even conscious. So that five hours, um, one of the things we recommend is that, that after the session is, is to go for a walk. You know, you activate the substantia nigra, the nucleus accumbens, to release dopamine for long-term learning because there's that window of opportunity after the session. Um, So don't rush off to get in the car or go somewhere else to go to work or whatever, really make the most of the learning and the work we've done together. So physical activity, also meditation, you know, to not get into old circuit patterns, but to hold on to what you just learned, what you've just experienced, let things unfold um, to keep them alive. And then, um, at the end of the day, when you're you know, getting ready to go to sleep, reactivate these circuits. Mm. Remember them. Because you know, what your brain activates at the very end of the day is going to get held on to. A part of what we do when we sleep is to hold on to those learnings.
2: <clears throat> yeah, in our, in our dream states. And, and you know, if I'm um, sort of a casual listener, I'm like, well, how is that different from those positive affirmations that we learned about in the 80s and the 90s with the self-help books?
1: Good question. You want to answer
3: <laughs>
1: okay um, the affirmations have a certain amount of value um, but they're a little bit too much top down, so it's important that like the when we train our colleagues, we invite them to uh, make assertions that are biological a neurobiological fact so My care for you is unconditional. That -hmm. is a fact. That is a biological fact. So you're not just saying a positive aphorism or um, something really pleasant. I'm speaking about a neurobiological fact. And it's safe for us to care for you. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of activations that we use um, because we know they're true. they're, They're facts. They're biological facts. And we're just activating them intentionally. So they have a felt sense of, oh, yeah. And if, if it makes them feel uncomfortable, then the, that contrast is really out there in the open. Like, yes, my care for you is unconditional and you don't feel worthy. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. So you add in the curiosity about something that is irrational. Yeah. But it feels true. But yes, the, the, the neurobiological fact is, you know, our care for you is unconditional.
0: Yeah. Let yeah. yeah, I me mean, let me let me add something else there. Please. Um, the in therapy, what we're working with is the sensory brain system. We're activating all of the brain systems, like uh uh Wantingly, is that a word in English? Intentionally, intentionally. Yeah. we are activating all these brain systems intentionally all the time, and when we are activating the brain system that we were talking about with this other example of feeling valuable, and then suddenly experiencing a little bit of a warmth here on the chest, that is the sensation that they need to repeat mm-hmm. the sensation of experiencing with muscle memory of experiencing the warmth here and the smile that makes me feel. Mm. And that is every 10 minutes, we ask them after when they leave the session to every 10 minutes, just bring that up that with muscle memory, that sensation of warmth that makes me smile. And then off you go. And the warmth that makes me smile. In that way, you, you are neurosculpting. You are sending blood to the synapses of the newness of feeling valuable. Mm. So so, they, so they, they need to keep on repeating this because yes, the brain is going to prune it in five hours.
3: Mm. And
0: we don't want this to be pruned. But just saying I'm valuable, we could say you could be saying tuna fish tuna yeah, fish
3: yeah, yeah no
0: yeah i get it that's hearing, why that's why i think there are limitations
2: to you know cognitive behavioral therapy or or those yeah, kinds of affirmations the, the
0: sensation of feeling valuable experiencing the valuable insight that is what will send blood to the synapses to make it resilient
1: yeah yeah there's one other aspect that i think i want to highlight is there there are four different levels of our nervous system. There's the peripheral nervous system, there's the brainstem, the basal nuclei, and the cortex. And what Beatrice was just describing is where all four levels of the nervous system are being active at the same time, which creates a kind of integration. It's very natural and self-healing and self-reinforcing, although it takes some repetition to hold onto it because it's unfamiliar and out of their usual equilibrium. But... If you can get all four levels of the nervous system engaged and involved, you know, it's going to last much more easily. Mm-hmm. And what
2: you're saying now, um, Terry, makes me think of uh, when Dan Siegel talks about creating a coherent narrative and we're sort of, you know, uh, really kind of understanding and having an integration of our own sort of self story and not, uh, you know, um, making sense of your life, said another way, you know. Um, uh, go ahead. Um
1: Daniel Field wrote the foreword for our book, yeah. and he loved it because of you know the integration. He's so fascinated by integration, and in our book is a lot about integration. Mm-hmm. Chapters about it, and just the differentiation process. So I, you know, I think readers who are familiar with him uh, would enjoy taking a look at his foreword. Um, and you know, he really thought what we were doing was right in line with what you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. All this kind of integration on multiple levels uh, helps the person develop, you know, an integrated narrative. But from our point of view, most of this is non-conscious. So it's not just the narrative, but all these non-conscious systems that are integrated and functioning in a collaborative, comprehensive, and complex way, which is very flexible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Which again,
2: like I I feel... Um, I love the example that he uses of his. I think it was his 96 year old client Stewart that is right, you know, yes, right a lot. You know, who had uh, a new insight of way of being. And for those who aren't familiar with the anecdote, it's basically this um, older man, I believe, who had gotten. Um, oh, it sounded kind of was like you know I don't know it was avoidant attachment style or something, but a kind of more stoic type of a person, and, right. and 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 didn't really understand that when his dear friend had died. Uh, that he didn't really feel on the inside quite like this, you know, sort of mushiness or heartfulness. And this is his dear friend for many, many years. Um, And he had been married and was still married and all these things. And so he talked to Dan and, you know, they kind of explored a little bit of that. And then, you know, sort of, I think through their work together, uh, he was able to kind of be a little bit softer in his marriage and be a little bit more available. Um, And, and I think that that's really all we're going for is we're we're not, we're not, We're not trying to change who we are. Um, We're not rewriting the script of what happened. But as we say in mindfulness, it's how we relate to what happened that uh, becomes different.
0: We are activating who we're born to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, it's very, you know, again, to quote Dick Schwartz, we're hope merchants. If there's a faith there, you know, there's a certain degree of like, you have faith that you can return to your net, your essential self you know um to your yes you know to your and and you know i think from the egotistical standpoint we think that we're just so also special and exceptional and we are unique and special and exceptional but we're also kind of just like all this big you know wider if we're kind of getting into the non-dual consciousness you know we're all interrelated to use the systems thinking we're all interdependent from a mindfulness standpoint from a you know that there is no me without you. There is no, there yeah. is, you know, to use Dan Siegel again, the movie. Um, And so when we are actually doing what you're talking about, Beatrice, and when you and I are sort of, you know, beam gleaming as you're going through your example, and I'm your sort of mock client, um, you know, it's like, yeah, here we are. And you too, Terry, you know, here we are together in this, in this moment. And can we really be present for that? And what is that like? Because it's happening. Whether or not we do anything with it or not, it's what's happening.
1: Let's let's step into that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the whole point. Ram (laughs) Dass' be here now is it's okay to experience our beingness here
0: now. And to say it out loud. Mm. That's one of the things, too. We love out loud. We say we're here to care for you out loud. Mm. Instead of just, what was the, what was they say? Uh, positive something experience?
1: Unconditional positive uh, uh, regard.
0: Unconditional positive yeah. regard. That's love. Why are we not going to say love?
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I, I think this is so interesting
2: because if anybody who's a therapist is listening to this podcast, um, they may be sitting here saying, Whoa, 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 whoa. Unconditional care, unconditional love. I can't give that. I don't have any resources. There's no gas in my tank. I'm burnt out. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't even like this client. I don't even like me. You know, how am I going to give, you know? Uh, So what do you say to these folks when you're inviting in this whole new world to kind of, you know, well, let's, you know, can we have a little bit of a suspension of disbelief here and just give it a whirl?
3: Um.
1: Well, trusting what is on a deeper level that you may not feel like you've got access to it, but it's still there. And uh, not trying to make something happen, um, but just keep orienting to that, that neurobiological truth that you are unconditionally worthy. You are unconditionally lovable. And for us as the therapist and the person we're being with, that if we can just, put everything else aside for a moment and just be fully present to that truth and invite it. And then there'll be a reciprocity and a, and a synergy. Like they want to care for me. I want to care for them. If we can both just focus on that one little piece where it's safe to be here together, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, something really small and precise that, it will synergize
3: mm-hmm.
1: the energy in you and the energy in me will come together and be more than the sum of the parts and create an emergent experience of safeness. And, and often people don't even know what safe feels like. They think mm-hmm. it's the absence of anxiety, but no, it's, it's, it's a felt sense in its own right. And when you tap into that system, you can always see that their breathing changes. Mm-hmm. A, physio, a psychophysiological shift when you've got that system active. So, yeah. if you keep an eye out for it, you say, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere. So, hang in there. Just keep hanging in there. It mm-hmm. may seem a little repetitive to the therapist, but on the receiving end, it feels like, oh, you get me.
0: But also the therapist, by doing this, she's activating her own right. neural networks of oxytocin and opioids inside of herself, so she will feel better at the end of the therapy. Our, th- our, our, our colleagues that we teach, they always comment on that, that before... At the end of the day, I'm just totally exhausted. I just get, have given every drop and more. And, uh, and that at the end of the therapies with sims, they feel energized and activated because of this neural networks that we are activating oxytocin and opioids constantly mm-hmm. and 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 and, uh, and at the end of the day it's not so tiring
2: oh i know <laughs> i know the difference I, it's a completely different session when you're working ah. this day and 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 again i mean i keep bringing them up but i guess we've talked a lot about i've you know i've Anyway, Dick Schwartz says, you know, I feel like we're, I'm in a meditation. You know what I mean? It's nourishing. It's not. It's not labor. You know, it's um, right. it's uh, it's and and I feel the same way. And in much that same way, I think young mothers, new mothers, whomever um, you're receiving from the baby, you're offering to the baby. You're exactly. co-regulating. It's not. That's the whole point of it.
1: Um, yeah, the baby is not just a sponge. Baby has its own energy reaching out to care for you, not just to take in your care. Right, right,
2: right. And that's and I think that's important. And, you know, for letting, you know, if it is the caretaker, who's the mom and whatever, the biological mom or whatever, sometimes it isn't. And that's fine, too. But in this example, um, if the baby's colicky and if the baby's, you know, really having a hard time, that can affect, you know, how available the mom may be or not. And it's not the baby's fault by any means. But it can certainly affect that. And yeah. and so, you know, it's always kind of that return to repair, you know, return to repair, uh, return to to sort of getting back into that co-regulated state. Um, you know, I, I, I could ask you there's a couple other questions here, um, but I think we've kind of covered a lot. Uh, you could talk a little bit about, you know, your book. Um, Maybe in the end, but I want to, I want to kind of throw one question out of left field and you can either answer it or not. But a lot of the things that I've talked about, because I originally started fascinated with all these things so much so that I've trained in it to the degree that I can and, you know, do whatever, offer it to people as best as I can. <clears throat> but my mentor, Jack Cornfield invited me to kind of look at when I went through training with him. Um, you know, injustice, race relations, race, racism, you know, uh, systemic oppression, uh, and psychotherapy is, you know, as it's practiced in the Western world, a very individual kind of situation. And, you know, what we're talking about is very, um, the the healing can very much happen right here, one-on-one, but, uh, I, I've heard some of my my friends, like Lama Rod Owens, I believe it was, talked about, you know, you don't want to hoard your spiritual awakening. You don't want to hoard your, you know, your your sort of uh, resilience, your newfound, like, s- true self-love. Like, you know, that the inclination to um, want to help, you know, the world uh, is sort of the impulse that will probably be that which you will end up following once you kind of have this inside out, you know, transformation. But this systemic oppression through these Systems and institutions of inequality, patriarchy, materialism, you know, racism, things like that, that those are things that tend to affect us um, and our nervous systems and our culture, um, which continue to permeate us and affect us uh, at, at a different level. And so I'm wondering how we can contextualize this, if at all, in the broader context of how working with folks individually in this way Is valuable in the micro context of the macro context of affecting, you know, sort of systemic change. Also, that it's not just for the individual. That there's a way in which this can
1: also broaden.
2: Does that does that question make any sense? Do you know what I'm kind of getting at?
1: Uh, I think so. And and um, so how can we, you know, utilize this wisdom, this knowledge, this experience? into a broader context. Yeah. You know, have an impact on our communities,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: on our culture.
3: Mm -hmm. And
1: part of it, I think is um, to recognize that underneath the, um, the racism or the um, sexism, whatever, which are driven by fear, Mm -hmm. to understand that those are fear reactions. Mm
3: -hmm. So
1: underneath those reactions are the adaptive care, playful, assertive systems in everybody. So what's gotten in the way of accessing those resources because the person is stuck in some kind of fear reaction. And so they get caught up in some um, group phenomenon or clan phenomenon that uh, becomes self-reinforcing. And so, it's hard to shift out of that because, in some ways, that was adaptive, mm-hmm. and um, so it's to to be both realistic that changing uh, the culture or even changing an individual that has caught up in a particular um, fear fear reaction, you know, even delusional, <clears throat> you're not going to talk them out of that, mm-hmm. um, but to trust, you know, that your power as a person and joining together with others that are like-minded you know we we can do a lot um together and Mm -hmm. and i think part of it is to to get over maybe some reluctance of of doing things as a group Mm -hmm. Uh, because we get so fragmented in our present society we don't have a community sense um but that we can do that we can build more community um and then work together as a community. And I, I sense that that's something you're interested in, mm-hmm. is how to adapt this wisdom into yeah. our community to help, you know, to, to shift the racism, to shift the, the, um, the econ, uh, economic inequality and so forth that, that is so harmful to everybody, not just, not just the poor people, but the rich people is harmful to them too. Well, exactly right.
2: The privileged and the subjugated both lose when we're gripped in fear. And when you know, from a mindfulness perspective, you know the Buddhist teachings are um, greed, hatred, and delusion. Um, those are the defilements, the basic um, you know sort of seeds of, of you know challenges and and the root causes of suffering. And 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 that and that when we're able to kind of recognize what those are, and we can kind of hold a mirror up and kind of, as you say, I mean, this takes practice that it also takes insight and all these other things we can kind of plane away um, at kind of um, uh, planting parallel seeds of like They would call it like meta meditation, uh, loving kindness, meditation, positive neuroplasticity, essentially like basically helping, um, you know, may I be safe, may I be healthy, may I be happy, may I be filled with joy and ease. May you, may all beings be safe, may all beings be happy, may all beings be healthy and filled with joy and ease that we can kind of look at where our mind is going Oh, am I being extra greedy there? Is there desire there that's lustful and perhaps not wholesome or not skillful in behavior that I've enacted and not have a judgment about it, not have a story about it that makes me a bad person? I must be bad. It's Mm -hmm. that, no, this is the habit of mind. And that's why these principles can be very important to understanding, I think, how we can use these methods like you have the beautiful... um, You know, the book that you've written, uh, Complex Integration of Multiple Brain Systems and Psychotherapy, C-I-M-B-S, SIMS as you call it, um, is another tool in the toolbox of being able to train therapists and to help support clients in um, really this transformation that I think really probably does have to come from the heart.
1: And just to elaborate a little bit on the book, it was written to avoid all jargon. And even though some of the terms, their common terms, are used precisely, and they're explained, it's really uh, intended to be quite accessible to to anyone you know who's interested in the mind and the inner workings, who's got a mindfulness practice, and so forth. So you know, I think there are all kinds of people that'll find it interesting and accessible. There's a lot of stories of
3: uh, transformation
1: of individuals. Um, I don't know, but maybe there's 20 different uh, at least stories of uh, interesting, curious, um, momentous, uh, humble uh, kinds of life experiences that can resonate with individuals when they read it. Um, and so it's, um, I think it's quite accessible. And, you know, there's a lot of illustrations. I mean, a lot of what we were talking about Today may seem a little too uh, academic and, and scientific, mm-hmm. but you know, we've got like 50 illustrations to, to sort of show what does it look like. Um, and I'll just just to pull out one. This is this is the cover of our book. Uh-huh. To show, to show the energy and the, the circularity and the, the systems becoming stronger and more resilient. Uh, and differentiated so each of these systems you know becomes separate from each other powerful resilient and together they become fail safe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Very nice. Isn't that I
2: already copy but I think it's not due till January of 2022? Uh, no December actually this year. Okay. okay at the end of the year.
0: We're so excited about it. Well,
2: this will be your, you know, your first stop on your book tour, or one of them anyway. Um, (laughs)
1: Yeah, it is, actually. We we like to refer to our book as our brainchild.
2: Yeah, oh, very funny. I like that. That's cute. You guys are cute together. Um, I, I appreciate your presence here today on Rerooted. Are there any parting thoughts on anything we've covered today or last looks, as they say, in the fashion world that you'd like to offer?
1: Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, to talk to you and connect with you, it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, and your
0: questions are fantastic. I really enjoy your questions.
1: Thank you. So well, well read. You you've got so many different ideas <laughs> in your head. I'm so impressed. <laughs> well, thanks. I I well, I mean, it's nice to talk to other people who know
2: my points of reference. You know, um, I'm otherwise kind of alone up here with it, and uh, <laughs> I delight. I delight in. Um, you know I did this podcast. I started it because i I was reading and I was curious and as a former television news anchor and journalist, um you know, I know how to call people and reach out and book interviews. um I just have always done that and um when I you pivoted, did very well well, well, thank you I mean you were receptive I mean not everybody not everybody calls me back um which is interesting. We can talk about who wouldn't who wouldn't offline <laughs> but um what what did the it was, it was just out of a natural curiosity, meaning like, I actually want to know more about this. And I'm delighted that, um, folks like you, uh, take time to spend with me and share and offer this with our listeners. So thank you so much. Uh, the website, once again, uh, I will offer it is complex integration. M like Mary, be like boy, S like Sam.com complex integration, m b s -S 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 com. The book is complex integration of multiple brain systems. Um, psychotherapy is the model. And um yeah. or
0: just to Google Beatrice Sheldon or Albert Sheldon and they'll arrive to the or oh, Beatrice with a T R I Z, sorry.
2: Yeah. No worries. We're and gonna put arrive a, to
0: the website. They'll
3: they'll
2: put the the link up on the liner notes for the podcast. So thank you again. I appreciate our time together today and um, be well. Take good care.
1: No, you too.
2: We enjoyed
0: it very much.
3: Thank Thank you you very much.